Hello and welcome back to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. We're the mental health podcast that's going to save America one hot mess at a time. <laughs> and I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a multicultural counselor and your psychotherapist. We're nervous today. I'm actually nervous. I'm very nervous. <laughs> we, have a mo- we have a movie star. Yes, we on, do. Uh, that I just mo- worked with <laughs> on a pilot on ABC. Uh, uh, that did not get picked up, so I'm in a deep state of mourning, which is Aww. why I'm wearing black. But um, I worked with our guest today's Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin yes, is, is on. Listen, that is the caliber of celebrities we have week after week. <laughs> and if this is your first time listening to us, please download and subscribe to the program. Yes. So what's going through your mind right now? Uh, I'm just trying to keep my shit together so I can be an effective host and psychotherapist okay. for All today. Right. All right. Yes. You're, you're, but, an, uh, you're an Irishman from the East Coast. I'm an Irish from New, so, from New Jersey. Yes. From New Jersey. You have that in common. He <laughs> yes. grew up in Massapequa, Long Island. Connections with, already. My parents yes. are from Long Island. So there, there you go. go. <laughs> uh, six siblings. Whoa. Uh, a modest upbringing. Yes. Uh, very artistic and, uh, um, when I went to the show, it was about three friends, and I thought, "What can I do? What can I do that I can kind of base this on?" And I have siblings, uh-huh. and so I went in immediately treating Kelsey Grammer and Alec Baldwin as my siblings in oh. my comportment and how we talk to each other, and that helped me. But I, I'll be honest with you: the first couple of days, I would look across the room and go, "Holy shit!" It's <laughs> I was going to say, "Were you just shitting a brick? How did yes. you do it?" Yes, <laughs> covered in bricks, and then also we talk <laughs> on the phone. And he has that Alec Baldwin voice, which sounds like an obscene phone call. It's so soothing, by the way. I'm yeah. not sure how he yeah. hasn't done some sort of like meditation, audio recording. Um, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Alec, Alec Baldwin ASMR, I believe, is a <laughs> yes. missed opportunity. Oh, my I God. That would that, be a hit. <laughs> yeah. So he's on. He's going to be on the program today. Yes. He's going to talk about how much he misses me and how devastated he is that he's not <laughs> going to see me every day. Yes. Alec, it was so funny because we were both Alec. So on set, they would refer to us as Big Al and Little Al. I thought that was good. Um, And also, specifically, uh, cancel culture, which you and I have both uh, experienced. We both have experienced. We've both experienced, but on on on, on a, I think on a micro scale, he's been like, you know, like the, on the cover of the New York Post, calling him out on whatever behavior or everything oh God, and, yeah. and having all of the media turn against him. And then conversely, during the um, the Trump administration, because yeah. he was so great as Trump, people kind of turning back to, yes. oh, yeah, I love yes. him. So it's like, I mean, how- yeah, so much respect and credit for navigating those minefields, because I have had <laughs> like a drop in the bucket in comparison mm-hmm. to what something like that is, but even just some stuff on social media and, you know, me maybe expressing some ideas or thoughts or putting, throwing comments out there or videos or whatever. And to have people just pounce on you, even yes. when you have the best of intentions, yes. it just, for me, I'll only speak for myself, but it is anxiety producing because, and I think also a bit, I'm a, a people pleaser. So, you know, mm-hmm. people uh, thinking ill of me, like really hits home a little bit too hard, but it really produces a lot of anxiety. I, had, I have to really, really lean on my support system, my friends to make sure right. that I can get through it. Right. Because a big part of the cancel culture is that you are vilified. You're vilified. Yes, your yes. your intentions are misinterpreted, and then it it then it becomes. Here's the thing about me: it, it, it's like I I understand both sides of the argument, but as far as cancel culture goes, I don't think it's sustainable. No, because everybody deserves to be canceled. If we all if we all judge each other on our worst day, yes. or yeah, yeah. 
It's not even just its sustainability, which of course it is not, because that's mm-hmm. just kind of a, a practical, you know, assessment of it. But in terms of just like what the fuck it does, it's toxic. It's yeah. toxic. It's yeah. divisive. It's not helpful. It's not progressive. It does nothing to actually, you know, move any conversation along in a positive and effective way. It, that's it. It's it not a conversation. No, because it's not, it's not the majority of what we're hearing. I actually Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of benefits to something like social media. It gives voices to the historically voiceless and it can help kind of elevate our conversation. But the majority of what we're hearing is the noise, not actual accountability or calling people into a deeper, more meaningful conversation, Mm. but just, but just wanting to cancel people. And that has everything to do with people wanting to emotionally offload, not actually progress a conversation. And that is toxic. It's toxic for the people doing it they don't even realize it and it's for sure toxic to just the larger society well it's that thing of like what social media has enabled us to do is kind of say shitty things without seeing the impact that it has yes. on the person receiving that yes listen i can't i don't want to make him wait in the waiting room no, no 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 let's let's just bring a big star with Jeez. six children so um we're gonna be right can back i come with, in yeah I'll let's just you know I'm not gonna do the intro anymore. let's do a meditation <laughs> session okay oh my anxiety is gone what are you what are you wearing what are you <laughs> guess where my hand is now <laughs> Guess where my hand is. That's the name of my podcast. Guess Canc- where my hand is. Cancel Alec Baldwin. We've now been canceled. You- I've been canceled again. I know. Now, <laughs> how long have you been doing your podcast, Alec Baldwin? I would say nine or 10 years. I did it at NYC for a while. Then we just wow. moved to iHeart. Yeah, we didn't wow. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And I, and this is a weekly occurrence for you. I've, I've listened to a couple. Well, of- it's one of a chain of things, a, a small chain of things where I wanted to stay home. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to travel anymore. I wanted yeah. to, I did a talk show for ABC for TV. I, mm-hmm. I tried things that didn't work uh, um, in terms of, a job where I could shoot in New York, have a decent schedule and be home and not have to travel. And I would go do other things now and then go make a movie every now and then or whatever, but my bread and butter would be this show. And I, the podcast was not something that was that lucrative, but it was something I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of different ideas, but we settled on this, which was just a straight interview show. And I just want to add that the, the whole unapologetically, the nature of the show is like appreciation. I only bring on people that I want to understand their point of view about an issue, their mm. academicians, their writers, advocacy people, political people, or just uh, performers that you and I would know that I'm just jonesing about. You know, I mean, like mm. well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna. I we interviewed uh, Mick Fleetwood. You know, that was like one of the mm-hmm. greatest moments of my life. You know, because wow. I love them. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. It's great for me because I get to meet these people, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, so that's like, the best part. That is really the best part for us. Yeah. Now, in, in talking, keeping with the subject today, like when we talked about being canceled, how do you endure? Cause what was what was the first time you ever felt like you were like, oh, something, some shit is up, and I'm being canceled, and it's on a public scale? And how big was it? Well, I think that rather than pick some event like that, what I want to do is mm-hmm. I want to say that. That number one, you know, when that happens and it's new to you and you don't really know what's happening, it can be so painful because you Mm -hmm. sit there and think that, and this is long before the word cancel came, you know what I mean? Nobody was using that word, but they, um, people would attack me for whatever. And uh, you really feel like you're in, uh, you know, like I'm trying to think of the image. It's like when you see a movie and the car goes off the bridge. 
Yeah. yeah. And you're in the car and the water starts filling up and you think, am I going to drown? <laughs> yes. Chap like, am I not going to get out of this? Well, yeah, whatever yeah, word you want. Yeah. We, 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 right. we, the, you wonder, am I going to escape this? Or am I done? Am I going to die? Is my career going to die? My public persona? Mm. But but I want to mention to both of you, I'd be curious what you both have to say. And I, I'm dying to hear what Matthew has to say about this, which is that you realize that for people, you know, what's the reasoning behind this? Why are we at this point that we're at now where people are so angry? I mean, they're angry. Mm-hmm. And the the cancellation thing, I have a few things I might say about this, but one is that I feel that people really believe that their voice in our democratic society is meaningless now. They have no influence over mm. what the government does. Mm. You vote for people, you choose people, you think they're the lesser of two or three evils and you elect them. And then they go to, into office and they do what the corporations tell them to do. Mm-hmm. They do what their, what their donors tell them to do. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily going to do the right thing or what you want them to do. So, But they want their voice to be heard. And the place that their voice is heard and it has some impact is social media in condemning people and in canceling their, their careers. Mm -hmm. It's like Rome. It's like thumbs up, thumbs down. Right. You know, they want to have some say. And so what they're going to do is take down Chrissy Teigen. They're going to take down this person. They're going to take down that person. And they, they, they want someplace to put their frustration about the way we live today. COVID and non-COVID. So I want to hear what what you guys think. Matthew, would you agree that the court of public opinion is like been formed in order for people to feel empowered? Like, yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think for sure, kind of as I was mentioning before, I think, you know, social media and the Internet is it's given people an opportunity to be able to have a voice when maybe so many people have not had a voice. But the difference, too, I think, is also that in real life, like, you know, in person, you can kind of gauge off of people's, you know, the way they're interacting with you or how they're presenting, like how much you're actually going to give credit to what they're saying or not, because you can kind of maybe get a sense of mental well-being. Because it's a real conversation where you could read social cues, et cetera. Yes. But but online, we're just kind of giving everything the same flat credit and we give everybody the same voice. And then it just kind of fuels a fire and it creates this mob mentality. And then collectively, we're all just kind of hopping on board and it's just, you know, Becomes. I I don't think anybody can be personally canceled. I mean I, I mean permanently canceled. And I will say one actor's name, <laughs> Mel Gibson. Right. Went uh, on the biggest. They're a very good example. Racist, good example. anti-Semitic rant, and he's back opening films with Will Ferrell and uh, Marky Mark, and uh, it's it's it doesn't seem to have permanently banished him. Right. Well, the thing the, the thing that occurred to me recently was that when when the whole thing happened with uh, Lori Lachlan and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, Felicity Huffman. Yes. Now, uh, I'll speak only of Felicity Huffman, who I'm somebody who I admire her. And I thought and I want to there's two points I want to make here. And because uh, because, of course, there's the, the moment I opened my mouth, there was a predictable response to what I said. But I said, I thought it was just tragic that she had to do any time in prison. I thought, what does that benefit anybody? Make her teach acting for two years for free at a commu- at Cal State Northridge. Who cares right. if she has to drive an hour to and from work twice a week for the entire year? In other yes. words, where's the benefit to society? Prison costs us money. Sending right. them to jail just costs us money. What does it do to her? Now, people came right back and they were like, hey, man, like on social media, they're very caustic. Hey, man, uh, uh, the, the woman forged her voting application or the, the, the African-American woman who was down in Texas who went to prison for five years. They cited that case. And, and they were like, she went to prison for five years. 
mm-hmm. uh, for fraud or whatever. And you're mm-hmm. telling me these white chicks don't. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What I'm saying is that the woman in Texas, she shouldn't have gone to prison either. Right. The two wrongs mm-hmm. don't make a right here. I mean, the right. her right, going right, to prison. Right. I think that the prison thing is dreadful. And I think that the, in some cases, if it's a violent crime, I mean, I'm not. Well, I'm not I know, but your response, to... your response about nobody should have been sent to prison for that wasn't implicit in your thing. So it's like, that's what people jump on is like, they jump to that example. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, well, I think that, I think that we, the criminal justice system in this country has gradations of guilt. Mm-hmm. They have gradations of severity of crime. We have mm-hmm. misdemeanors. We have felonies. We have different classes of misdemeanors and felonies. We have so many subcategories inside this for, for the for the seriousness of the crime. And, and mm-hmm. so I kind of feel the same way, which is there are people who do things in uh, the culture that are uh, unappealing. They're there. You know what Mel Gibson did is horrible. But mm-hmm. you, so but not everybody deserves the same fate. Not everybody deserves the same sentence or the same punishment. So like with Felicity Huffman, I would have said, teach acting at a school for a right. year. And right, right. I mean, what would be greater than to have a class with Felicity Huffman? <laughs> yeah. Be sensational. You know totally. I mean? But and, and everybody's so much more invested and interested in punishment because it's just yeah. the punitive aspect. Path, punitive. Yes. It's just so much easier to go that route because otherwise then it leaves everybody else a little bit more vulnerable and open to tr- actually what can be the most effective uh, way of making change, which is to find teachable moments and to positively reinforce new ways of doing things. I think a lot of people, it's like, it's like, I'm in pain. I want you to be in pain. Yes. yes. I'm in pain. I'm suffering. I want you to suffer. That's it. Yes. That is 100%. Yeah. But how do you endure that? Okay. So you're in the car and it's filling up with water. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's, what's the recovery time? I'm like, Alec Moppet, come and get me. Come and get me. Call me. What? Before I leave, I'm going to watch Alec Mop on YouTube before I die. The what? last thing I see what? is your the, act. What's the recovery time? Well, I let mean, me just say this. When you're as public a person as Alec Baldwin, what is I'll the never, I'll never forget. Time? Okay, I'll tell you the first, I'll give you the first example. I do Conan O'Brien. Okay. And Conan O'Brien, actually, NBC banned him from ever rebroadcasting the show. This is how oh, wow. controversial this was. Well, I mean, to me, it was not. To me, it was like kind of silly. Uh-oh. And everybody got went crazy because I went and did his show and I said, I had been out of the country. I went away and I came back. Uh, uh, my ex-wife was making a film in Africa. We were gone for months and we come back and the whole Clinton impeachment is unraveling. And uh, uh, and Henry Hyde, who himself was a, a, a guy who had his uh, skeletons in the closet and so for his dirty laundry with his marriage and affairs. And I remember saying, uh, and Conan and I said, and I, and I do a rant, like this really theatrical rant. And I say, and I want Henry, we should all rise up together and go and stone Henry Hyde to death, I said. <laughs> now, as soon as I finish the button of this rant, this comedic rant, I thought it was comedic, is, 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 is Conan, what materializes is an oxygen mask and an oxygen tank. And he slaps the oxygen mask <laughs> on me to, to help me recover from my hysteria. It was a joke. No one yeah, was really yeah. saying, Stone, if you only knew what happened to me, my ex-wife pulled her car. She called me and she pulled her car to the side of the road sobbing. And she's listening to uh, Rush Limbaugh on the radio. And she goes, Alec, if you could only hear the things they're saying about you. Oh, no. Jack Valenti, who was head of the Motion Picture Association of America, who with the many, many decades running uh, the Motion Picture Association, I believe. Jack Valenti, he gets on it. He's a Democrat. He yeah. worked in the Johnson yeah. He condemns me. They're all condemning But it's a weaponization of a joke. If it was like a joke, well, then it's... if you want to say the joke isn't funny, if you want to say the joke is in poor right. taste, that's right. one thing. If you want to say that it wasn't a joke and I said it seriously, yes. that you're not allowed to say. 
that you're not yeah. allowed. That, that right. I didn't do. It was a joke. Yeah, right. right. And uh, but but that was one of uh, uh, let's say uh, I can count on one hand things like that. And what happens is you first you think by the time it happens to you the second or third time you say something or you're perceived as saying something that doesn't mm-hmm. really uh, whether Land. it's true or not. Yeah, it was something that lands on you. It sticks to you. Then you 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 realize you got to kind of you have to kind of go into a hole. You mm-hmm. have to kind of burrow into a mole hole for like mm-hmm. for like six months. <laughs> yes. You know, you just can't be seen at all. You can't go to an event. You can't be on a red carpet. You can't have your name on anything. Six months? You can't, who knows? Whatever the fuck it okay. is. Who cares? All right. I mean, it's like, okay. but I'm saying it's just it's like some distended period of time where you're sitting there going, you know, and then all of a sudden the mail comes, you go, oh God, the ABT banquet. <laughs> I'd like to hop on up to Lincoln Center in June and go see some ballerinas. See and this sounds Copeland. like fun. Yeah. <laughs> go see Misty. And then you're like, mm, maybe not, maybe not. Maybe. Alec, not. did you, have you noticed, I mean, obviously, you know, for forever, you've been like so outspoken and everything. Have you noticed a difference in terms of like the experience of being like canceled pre-social media versus oh, yeah. social media? Yeah. Times? yeah, because I, you know, my heart's in my mouth. So, and as a comic, I'm saying whatever's in my, so now it's become like, I remember the beginning of it. It was, it was, it was all about video. Remember when Michael Richards went on that racist rant? Yes. From, and it was, they get you on a phone. Yeah, you're dead. Yeah, you're, dead. you're on, they get a you on a phone. Everybody's yeah. got a phone. Everybody's yeah. got a, I mean, if I have a conversation with someone and I'll say to them, I'll say, you know, is anybody near us uh, have a phone out? Right. Because you, because you come I in, I can show you with my phone. They're the bad one. You know as well as I do. They're like this, and they're pretending they look at their phone and they go. <laughs> <laughs> and they're pretending they're pushing buttons. My right. favorite is my favorite is when they're trying to take your picture. You look at them and they pretend they're on the phone like this, and then they're tugging and they have a fake conversation. Then the phone rings. Oh, the worst! The worst. Like, I've actually yeah. had that happen in a restaurant. The woman took the phone like this, and she was like, "Uh huh." And then what did he say? Uh-huh. Then the phone went. Lie better. Exactly. Like really bad. I hate that line. Don't you hate bad lines? I hate it. So (laughs) with Michael Richards, it was like there was an isolated incident. And then like several months later, there would be another isolated incident that was caught on phone. And now it's turned into like daily. Yeah. It's now with the with the media and the and the speed of the social media. And you know, with the whole Michael Kramer thing, I didn't like what he said, but he's in a comedy club at the Laugh Factory, and that is like save your ass. You will do anything up there to kind of like, you know, but it's it's the painting of him as a different type of person that he mm-hmm. actually is. Well, that I, is you know, I mean, I, the, listen, you look at people like you you look at people and you have to say to yourself, if someone acts out in a certain way, mm-hmm. is that them on their worst day? And that's not who they really are. Right. Mm-hmm. What we have to accept is that any one of us is capable of acting out in a certain way. I mean, specific to you. Anyone is capable of letting fly with a homophobic epithet, mm-hmm. a racist epithet, right. an anti-cultural or, or transgender or, or everybody's capable of saying the wrong. It doesn't have to be that hateful. It's, it's just wrong. It's just viewed as ill-advised. Anyone's capable of that. And then they sit there and go, oh, God, they, even they think I, I, I wasn't thinking when I made that comment. And the, and the point is, do they deserve to be canceled for a one-off? Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to somebody where there's a pattern of this behavior, you know, for, well, for, for quite a while. There were things that were happening to you and your wife where a paparazzi or reporters would get directly in between you and your wife and your child. Right. And right. that's a safety issue. And yeah. as a father, yes. I can't see myself being a good sport 
about stuff like that. So my point is, is that I felt like in reading and reading your book and remembering the instances, it, it seemed like your reaction was appropriate. Well, I wouldn't say, I don't want to say appropriate because I don't want to sound like I'm trying to. Well, but what, but what, what, what I think is, is and I think the word that I like to use is understandable. Mm-hmm. And that is that if I'm standing there, I mean, I'll never forget I did a Stephen Colbert show. Mm-hmm. And I sit down. I never did a show before. I, I was not somebody that watched him on uh, on uh, the show with John. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, Comedy Central, uh, I would watch The Daily Show with Stuart every now and then. I liked Stuart a lot, but I never had any sense of who Colbert was because I never watched that phase of the show or that program. And then uh, uh, and I think he had his own show, uh, The Colbert Report, whatever it is. And he so he takes over for Letterman and I do a show and I'd never met him before. And I never did a show. And I sit down and the first question he asked me he goes, are you an angry person? He oh. said. <laughs> If we go, we go right to that. Here yeah, I am yeah. on this comedy <laughs> yeah, show, yeah. But, I, but I forgot that he had a psychiatric degree. So he said, uh, uh, do you have a, are you an angry person? And I don't remember what I said, but what I wanted to say was, first of all, that I find people who do those shows uh, as angry as anybody, because they're excoriating people and mocking people and reducing people for a living all day long, five nights a week, by the way. Okay. Yeah. And, and harsh judgments of other people, all harsh right, right. judgments of other people. But what I wanted to say was, I'm out on the street, and if a photographer is there, this is a fact. Mm-hmm. If a photographer is out there with a camera and he's 50 feet away on a long lens, we got no problem. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to you taking my picture. I'm mm-hmm. on a public street. That's just your job. When you get close to me and say, your wife's a whore. And when you say something to provoke, well, the things they've said to me, my ex-wife, uh, Ilaria, and I, the things they've said have been unimaginable. Now, what happens is, is, you get too close. You're going to chip my wife's teeth with the camera. That's right, how close right, you are. Right. You're going to knock over one of my kids. And what I realize is the cops aren't there. No one's going to help me. Yeah. I have to figure this out myself. And I, and, I, and I said to myself a long time ago, and I'm not proud of this, but I don't see any other way. I make up my own rules. Mm-hmm. I make up my I'm going to defend my family. If you get too close to me, you're going to find out. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you get too close to me with a camera, I'll let you know. And I say it again. And again, and a, and then everything erupts in a certain way. Right, right. Now, when you are respectful and you have to, if you ask me, I'm not a public figure. You have no right to know anything about me. I'm not the governor who's been accused of sexual harassment. I'm not the mayor who's effed up this or that. Public officials, people who are elected and have their hand on the public till, and they're spending public money. Those people are obligated to answer all the questions you have mm-hmm. about them. They're obligated to. We're not obligated to answer any of them. So, so when I saying, walk down the street, well, when I walk down the street and you ask me a question, I say, I don't want to talk to you. We're done. Right. Yeah. We're done. So yeah. are you saying that, a press conference. that the um that the uh the people who were saying those things uh, after a while were intending the to provoke you? That was the intention. Well, I think, I think not only were they intending you, not only were they intending to provoke you, it was it's the triangulation. They got their friend across the street in a car mm-hmm. to videotape the whole thing, capture my reaction to that guy. Mm-hmm. They deliberately want to to provoke you since somebody else is filming, and that's what's on TMZ is me, right? You know, get, getting it on with some photographer, which which yeah. you know, and and what well, I must say, social media actually has provided. Uh, oddly enough, has provided a bomb to that whole situation itself, which is that Instagram is killing the paparazzi. Mm. What picture could you oh. possibly get of my kids that I haven't already posted? It's yeah. not exclusive. My, my, my wife yeah, and I post yeah. pictures of our family all the time. All the time. For that reason, which is we manage that and control that, you know. 
Have you noticed? Have you noticed a difference then with the paparazzi? Like, are they maybe even like the only more time they come to my house is when my wife is pregnant, which in our house is a lot. <laughs> are you done? Are you done at six? Are you holding at oh, six? God, are you like? Please. I might have thought about it if we, yeah. you know, and I, if our show went. Yes. But nothing. No. No birth control. Like a canceled pilot. Yeah. Right? No. No. Not at all. It's like I, I was going to buy a house in Palm Springs. That's not happening. Were you? It's yes. I was kind of, listen, I spent seven years of salary in my head already. I was like, college I, is taken well, care of. Oh just my. like the kitchen remodel. <laughs> the kid was going to of. Columbia. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then just kind of like, just, to, and then, you know, what was very healing for me was like when, uh, not me to change the subject. Uh, well, you, you, cause you post a lot of rants on your Instagram. And when I you call said them rambles. that. I call yeah, them rambles. You said that <laughs> this is normal to to kind of do a show and believe in it and it not get picked up that this is normal and i re- that was a great reminder i was like yeah you're right this is the price of admission this is this is normal this is what happens here's yeah. your here's your email here's your text to me april 23rd you write holy fuck i just saw this you're talking about something i, I have some memo <laughs> thing i sent you and you're right yes i'm around i heard i'm torn between acceptance and feeling like a kid and feeling like a kid watching a goldfish float and saying he's sleeping mommy <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know, I'm going to say this, this is the crux of my podcast, and this is not my podcast, this is Uh your podcast, but I'm going to say this, and I know you hate when I do this, because I did a little bit of this when I was around you, you are one of the funniest fucking Uh, people I've ever been, no, 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 when they got you, you came, your audition came on, and I was tempted because I thought, oh, they want to cast, you know, the diversity thing was really roiling in the conversation. Mm. Is the guy supposed to be black? Mm. How old is he? Is he supposed to be Hispanic? Whatever. It, you know, I don't know what they really wanted. We couldn't tell because they're not the most articulate people, but the network. But when you came on, I thought, oh, my God, if I got to work with this guy every week, I would piss my pants laughing. Uh. You are the funniest son of a bitch I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So conversely, when when folks turn against you in the press, did you feel like there is I feel like you deserve the uh, the the Medal of Honor. What's the uh, Mark Twain comedy honor for keeping us all sane during the Trump administration? Oh, my God. Yes. Because what your weekly performance did was each week was you're not seeing this. You're not you're being gaslit. You, You all saw and heard what we've all seen and heard. Did you feel an immediate shift in public opinion during that time towards you? Well, I feel like a lot of what's been done to people in the post-Trump period, I can't say for sure that this is true of me or my mm-hmm. wife, but I do believe that, you know, Bannon is a psychopath, and I do believe that or a sociopath, I'm not medically mm-hmm. qualified to call him a psychopath, but uh, I do believe that Roger Stone is probably one of the biggest sociopaths I've ever encountered in public oh life in my, in my lifetime. <laughs> and these are guys who, they're all about settling scores. They aren't about public policy. When Trump right. came in office, he used the, the, the weight and the heft and the might of the U.S. government to punish his enemies. Mm-hmm. He's a hater. He's a hater. He's filled with hatred about the way he's been treated and marginalized because he's a yeah. nobody in New York. Mm-hmm. Trump is somebody who was That's not- the biggest irony. That's where he wants to be loved the most. And he is universally detested in New York. Well, he's out of New York now, though he's never yeah. going to come back to New York, mm-hmm. I doubt it in any way, which is kind of numbing to have an ex-president. I mean, we haven't had a Manhattanite as president since Roosevelt. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, FDR, I mean, I think he lived in, in, in Manhattan for quite a while. We haven't, I mean, people might have spent time there. I mean, JFK's 
spent time there, whatever. But but Trump, who was a real New Yorker in terms of his tax returns, he lived in New York City and, and made his business and made his career in New York City. You would have thought, God, what a great thing for the city to have an ex-president come home. Yeah. And what role he might have played. Now he's packed up, left, moved to Florida. He's not a New York resident anymore. He's despised in New York by everybody, mm-hmm. yeah. except mm-hmm. the cops. The cops mm-hmm. love him. And then, but I want to get back to one thing you were saying about the cancel culture, and that is that um, the uh, there was something you said a minute ago. It was something about like how how you playing Trump did it change in the right, public right, opinion right, right, of right. you? Well, what I was going to say was first of all, when we did Trump, and people would criticize me all the time. We thought you know his, his impersonation of Trump sucks, and I was like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I said, I, I said, what we wanted to do was give Trump all the uh, detail he deserved. Trump mm-hmm. is a very very. Uh, a two-dimensional person. And I thought, first of all, the cold opening of Saturday Night Live is the firing of a cannon at the top of a, of a live show. If we sat and did a very thoughtful, like Steven Soderbergh-esque uh, <laughs> examination of Trump, you know, something kind of, kind of layered and complex, yeah, that's yeah. a movie. Yeah. For me, I had to come up with a couple quick beats and I said, let's make Trump as complicated as he really is, which is not much. He's kind of yeah. vulgar and I yeah, made it very yeah. crude. But more importantly, I felt... People criticized me because I held up this sign after the election that said, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. And he had lost the election. And I held up a sign that said, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, fuck you that you think you were responsible in any way yeah. for bringing, bringing down Trump. And I wanted to say, well, as a point of fact, I'm not saying I am, but the show is. Yeah. And the show, what the show did and, and the way that I believe they were responsible to in contributing I mean, Trump is obviously the engineer of his own demise. He only has himself to blame. But I'll and I'll finish with this on this subject, which is that Trump is what we did every week was remind you of the most profound element. And I'd love to hear Matt's take on this. The most profound aspect of this, which is every man and it's only been men, obviously, who've occupied the White House have changed in that job. The job has changed them. Mm. They grew. People who were on the right came center. People on the left came center. People, you, you, you will not have an experience in human history mm-hmm. that is as expansive as being the president of the United. You see the high high. Yeah. You see the low low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They show you CIA films of torture in Africa and in Korea, or wherever, and they show you. Then the little girl walks in who won the Van Clyburn competition, and she's the hottest pianist from, uh, you know. Uh, Bowie, and, and you have to make decisions that are going to kill people. I mean, yeah. you, have you, to make, you have to do that. You have this, um, well, the, that. That's one component of it. But the beauty of what you see, and you you meet the smartest, you meet the best mm-hmm. and the yeah. brightest mm-hmm. and the most beautiful and the most talented, and you see the uglier mm-hmm. side of humanity. Mm-hmm. And every single man that had that job changed except one. Yeah. And that's what our he, job was, to remind people throughout the four years, he's still the same. Yes. He's still the same. He's still yeah. the same. He hasn't grown. We were there as a metronome to remind people that Trump was the only man who never grew emotionally inside the Oval Office. Totally. I think when I think when somebody steps into that office with at least a baseline level of mental stability, then there yes, there's there's going to be the capacity for that. But when somebody lives in such kind of delusions of grandeur and narcissism, there's very little intention or room for there to be growth. Um, Alec, I'm, I'm kind of curious because I heard you also speak about what the experience was like of just getting in the character of Trump and actually kind of how difficult it could be to get in that character just because of who he was and then having to embody that. Did you feel like that there was like some sort of greater responsibility to help portray that or like, how, how did you do it? How were again, you- again, in keeping with what I said about the, the overall arc of the show, not me, I felt that um, the, what became difficult was 
the only path toward relief, if you're doing this and you're doing it to, in terms of political satire, to, to, to um, inform people or provoke people, there's only one, uh, there are two outlets or there are two manifestations you can keep your eye on. And with Trump, one of them was out of the question. One was that he would change. Right. As the world was commenting on his inadequacies, his insanity, whatever, his bad faith, all the, I mean, Trump is the worst president that ever existed in the history of this country, ever. <laughs> and, and, and for people to uh, hope that some, somehow, like after a year, I thought surely by the end of the first year, we're going to see some ch- nothing, nothing, nothing. And knowing, nothing. knowing that he isn't going to change, then you, you're only left with one other metric. And that is, is he going to lose the next election? Yeah. So there's no relief for you. You're playing the part and it's not, and your people are saying kind things to you on the street. Right. I'd be on the phone and people walk by me and go. Ah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Very, very. I mean, a lot of people online right. were the right. opposite. They were like, please make him go away. I hate right. him. Right. But yeah. um, but my point is, is that I uh, you go along and you're thinking, let's see if this if, if, if not just me, but the culture at large is going to have any influence on him. And it doesn't. So you're only left with one thing. Is he going to lose the fucking election? So when he won, <laughs> there was the uh, release. When, when, when he, he lost, lost rather that than was the uh, absolute release. That was when we could yeah. have the release. Yeah, there was but, no release. Uh, that's what yeah. made it painful going out yeah. every night, mm-hmm. knowing yeah. that we just have to keep building and building and building right. to November of 2020. Right, right. It was like, well, Sarah Palin, I believe that that really came to a head on the show and it was largely influential. It's like people knew just as much about Tina Fey's portrayal of right. Sarah Palin. Well, Tina Fey's portrayal became Sarah, Sarah Palin. Became yeah. Sarah yes. Palin until there was a point no. where you couldn't. But the thing that was great about a Saturday Night Live is like, I really did feel like the administration was constantly gaslighting us week after week. And when Mm. you would come on and say things verbatim that had Mm -hmm. happened that week, it would be like, yes, we all heard and saw the same thing. Right. Mm. Well, I think that the the other thing is, is it Tina, uh, Tina is somebody who, I mean, people just love Tina. You know what I mean? They just, I mean, T- Tina's fans are not uh, um, uh, you know, conflicted about, you know what I mean? There's people who I think are fans of mine who are like, because I have people say to me all the time, they'll say, man, I hate your politics. I think you're the biggest asshole in the world. Really? But I loved Hunt for Red October. Oh, okay. and that, was a, that was a damn good movie, yeah. boy. Yeah. You know, whatever the whole thing yeah. is. And I don't think Tina has that. Tina has people who, when she steps out and does her thing, her audience just goes crazy. They love her. So when she did Palin, I think it was so much more uh, indelible. Like the Trump thing I did, I thought was uh, what made it indelible is how awful Trump is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think Palin was an awful person. She was not a politically uh, very uh, a complex yeah. person. Or, mm. or effective person, but what made right, Tina's right. thing indelible was yeah. Tina. But Tina you won an Emmy, yeah. and, and you talent. got to say yeah. the Emmy yeah. words. Here's that Emmy you always I wanted. I won an Emmy. So yes. Yeah. Here's your Emmy. Yes. At long last, your Emmy. Yeah. No, but let me ask you this. <laughs> but let me ask you this. When you say, without getting into detail, you said you were canceled. I was canceled. Uh, For well, what? I made a joke on with the LGBTQ community. Right. They were very angry with me because I wrote a joke. They said, yeah. when somebody tells me they're bisexual, I have the same reaction as when somebody tells me they have celiac disease. And that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, I always think it's dubious. Yeah. And so so all of a sudden I got flooded and I left. I, I you know, I went, came back a day later, 24. And there were like a million notifications yeah. uh, accusing me of bi erasure biphobia i mean things that i didn't even know existed like i didn't know did you go into the hole did you go into the hole yeah yeah i did were you in the the hole uh (laughs) about a a 
month. And then I, it what'd was, you do in the hole? I, you, <laughs> you drink a lot? I napped and I drank. Yeah. I napped and I drank. Yeah. Oh, first, I, I, and then I finally came yeah. out and I said, listen, I've dated a lot of bisexuals. So everybody get off my back. I've experienced yeah. your magic. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. So, um, you don't drink at all, which was shocking. 37 years, 36 years. 36 wow. Years. Yeah. Wow. 85. Yeah. 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 And then like one of the last texts you sent me is like, next time I'm in town, let's have a drink. It's like, what's he going to drink? He's yeah. not going to drink Cranberry anything. juice and clubs. No. <laughs> oh my God. Well, no, I used to, when you're in New York, I always make the same comment. I mean, there's a lot of comments to make about sobriety, but my one comment was when you're in New York, somebody's always doing the driving. Mm -hmm. Right. Somebody else is always doing the driving. You, you walk a lot. Walk. There's eight bars in every block. Uh, you take a cab. Nowadays, you take an Uber. Back then, you take the subway, mm -hmm. or you'd yeah. walk and uh, or take a cab. And when um, we drink together, when I moved you're to just LA, gonna watch me disintegrate. You're just gonna watch me disintegrate. <laughs> I love you, man. No, no, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna drive. Okay. I'm the designated. Right. I'm always right. the designated <laughs> driver. That was my point. Is when I moved to LA, I was mm. driving. That's when I quit drinking. Oh. I was driving. I was part. I partied my ass off for you two did. years in LA. Yeah. yeah, I snorted a line of cocaine from here to Saturday. <laughs> We did a nice big fat one on the rings yeah. of Saturn. Then we came back. <laughs> you, we did we did we did an intergalactic yeah. line. In your, in your book, you have a particularly seedy um, cocaine story that you yes. remember about being being yes. on location and and getting. Yes, I overdosed. Like, oh wow! That's when I got sober. Wow. I OD'd on cocaine. Yeah, of course. Now, That's did in you my like, book. You were hospitalized. They had to come. Yes, I took them to the hospital yeah. to stick me with needles and put me to sleep with Thorazine or so. I don't know mm -hmm. what they gave me. All I remember was the doctor said, I'm going to oh, give wow. you this needle to put you to sleep. And I was like, no, don't. And the tears are running down my face. He goes, why? I go, because I'm afraid I won't wake up. Oh, I thought I was going to die in my oh, sleep. Wow. I just, I just oh, had wow. like a, I just had a heart attack and I was really yeah. freaked you out. But, 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 the, but, the, but the point is, is that I moved to a culture that was a car culture. Yeah, yeah. So I got sober. I wow. Yeah. You, I've heard, I've heard you talk about how, like, up until that point, I think it was like almost twenty-seven um, before you got sober. That things were, it was like daily use because things had gotten really For dark. A couple years, like, it was a white hot period. There was a couple years. Now, what about you, Alec Mappa? What's your? Now, let's. I'm sorry, <laughs> we're, we're, we're letting Matt off the hook. I know that Matt's so shiny and handsome. He is shiny and, and handsome, and he's all this, <laughs> and, he and has, he's so fit and he so trim and all. He's so young. Veneer. I'm the hot exactly. mess part <laughs> of the program. Exactly. He's yeah. I don't know what he is. Yeah. He's, but but uh, the what do you find? Uh, I'm told, uh, obviously there's a there's a, a a raging increase in people's drinking and drug consumption yes. and CBD consumption during yes. the COVID. You yes. find that's true. Yes, everyone's drinking My more. My therapist said to me, he busted me on Monday. He said, "You lost perspective," and I said, yeah. "How?" He goes, "Drinking a whole bottle of wine by yourself is a lot." Yes, right, right, yeah. right. And right. I was it like, says, "Really? <laughs> <laughs> Mind your business." Really? Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to gauge these things, yeah, but it's true. And, and everybody kind of is. And I think a lot of people don't even realize how much over the last year, just the collective experience and uh, and how much all of that fucks with our ability to, you know, kind of feel safe and secure in the world, not knowing what to predict because the most primal parts of our brains are constantly firing off in like the least conscious ways. And so we're just depleted. We're exhausted. All our shit's getting stirred up and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really easy for us to just kind of default to a lot more substances. I'll be honest with you. I for sure am drinking more than than I normally do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I know I, I would be. And yeah. I felt weird during the making of the pilot. We were tested every single day. We had to keep the masks in front of our face until they yelled yeah. action. And there was like there was a COVID uh, monitor who, God bless him, was relentless mm -hmm. with us because like every other second yeah. was was all about the masks. I knew the show I, was you know, in trouble when I looked at the set. Why? Because I walked on the first day we were there, and I and I thought about it. I thought, huh? And then I went back to my job which is memorizing my lines uh -huh. and trying to figure uh -huh. out how to tell the joke and everything and laughing at the two of you. And then day two, I went, 
this is a set of a guy who uh, had a wife in his life. I said, where's the woman in this space? Oh, There's no woman here. Oh. Where was the woman that was his light wife that just walked out not too long ago? And he talks about his wife being from this lineage that she right. was kind and of- Right, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, this, a parent. In and, the, it wasn't, and it wasn't a wealthy person's home. Yeah. So I thought I thought the the the, the place looked like uh, you know like like the place that you send all the damaged West Elm goods. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, th- I thought, what is this? It's the, it's the house is living room. I didn't yeah. like I didn't West like Elm. the set. I thought to myself, well, that's not good. That we don't we're not paying attention to that. That set looks like shit. I thought the set looked no like, offense to the set decorator. I thought the either. set looked like Frasier in different colors. Like Frasier was like this kind of '90s kind of wood paneled, and this yeah. was like the West Elm version. Yes, of this Frasier set. was Frasier would have an apartment like there was a lot of blacks and gray yeah. there was no woman in there where was right. the woman right yeah and like and somebody just threw tchotchkes like you know the uh, like african totems or whatever i was like okay this right. is just no not right the room needed to be beautiful he needed to be what i thought for the characters he needed to be in a beautiful space and it didn't matter mm. it was one person missing it did it, he needed to be in a fabulous apartment and still he wanted to kill himself because she wasn't there fabulous apartment. and that's where we fit oh, rats. <laughs> oh well i'm recovering with the help of i'm, a, not, lot of, I'm not. a lot of napping oh really are you still sad i'm still I'm sad very, i'm very upset I'm not, about yeah. the way it went down i would I, I would have thought that certain people would have called us and they would have said listen we're not going to go with the show it doesn't fit into our thing but we want to thank you all for the effort you made we were really remarkably ill-informed this entire time we were like we were like people. We were like people that were like little. You know, my I'm going to steal your guppy analogy, your your okay. goldfish analogy. Yes, I'm going to modify that and say I felt like a little boy that was like at a bus station or a train station, and your mother <laughs> literally said, "I'll be right back." <laughs> and then and stood there, and people would walk up to me all the time and go, yeah. "What are you doing?" I'd be like, "You know, my mommy's going to be right back. He's going to be right back. Mommy's going to be right back. She said so. She said she'll be right back." And the, the sun goes. Oh, the sun comes up. I'm asleep underneath the bench. <laughs> the cop comes. I'm sorry. Mommy's coming right back. <laughs> Mom, oh, mommy was canceled. So they mommy just left us. Mommy didn't test well, so we're mommy's not going any further with you. <laughs> mommy left us there. Uh, I was bummed. Uh, we're going to wrap up. We've come to the end of our, yes. our, our illustrious program. Yes. You you always, what I got from working with you during the week is that your fatherhood at this time is just pure bliss for you mm-hmm. at this age. To me, it, at this age, it would be nightmarish to have six children. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are reveling in it. Well, we have we have people that help us. Let's be candid. We have women yeah. who help us with our with our household duties here. But yeah. you know, my wife uh, has usually been working a lot of the time and busy, and 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 is you know she's always working and she's always busy. Sometimes just more than others, but um, sometimes like a lot. But we're here and we have people to help us. So I mean, so I can sit and record the show with you at home. We're not we're out on Long Island. We're not going into the city to right. studio. The kids aren't in school except my daughter Carmen. The boys don't have their school now. And uh, my point is, is that um, we will be home and they only want their mother when like, like I always joke and say, I'll sit there with my kids and I'll be doing really well with the kids. I'll be doing well. We will say so much love between us until she walks in the room. Then they drop me. They drop me like, the, like, they, like they're autograph seekers and like Jackie Kennedy just walked in. The room. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, 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 what's his name? I'm like Tom Arnold. You know what I mean? I'm standing there. <laughs> like, are you Tom Arnold? Can I have your autograph? And then the minute my wife walks in the phone, we're in the room, it's like, oh my God, it's Elizabeth Taylor. It's Kate like, Blanchett. They, yeah. they, they dump me. Like no that. offense, Mr. Arnold. <laughs> Call me Tom. 
they're lovely, lovely kids. And I How wish, old is your kid? My kid is 16. Oh. And uh, yeah, we meet for poker every Friday. That's how much we see each other. I see him at breakfast and dinner, and we have a standing date for poker every Friday. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. You don't have kids, do you, Matthew? I don't know. Now, where Single, are you? I'm talking to you. Where? where are you now? Uh, I'm in West Hollywood. In LA. West Hollywood. Okay, great. He's in West Hollywood where he's he's worshipped like a totem. No, I was going to say, boy, did he, yeah. boy, yeah. did he nail it in terms of the zip code. Oh, well, well, listen, last part, last part, when yes. I got cast on the show, every single gay friend of mine, a gay man, sent me a, a shirtless picture of you, which I posted on your birthday on yes. Instagram. The one where it's in my dressing yeah. room. Yes. For <laughs> yes. Or, or they'd send a picture of me, of you in Beetlejuice. And be like, oh, oh, remember Iconic. this guy. That's when I did the play on. and the director, who I won't name who it was, mm -hmm. it was so great. He'd come into my room once we started the run because he didn't want me to quit. Manny, Manny Paclodidus? Who was it? Manny Paclodidus, that famous Greek. Alex, guy. did you just have a stroke? Oh, who is no. that? Manny Paclodidus. That? He's, he's a famous New York director. I, I just threw it out there. You no, know are you being Joe? Is it really? Let me look it up. Manny, maybe I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> Go ahead with your. I've anecdote. never heard of this guy. Okay, you're ahead of me on everything. I don't know who Manny Paclodidus is. <laughs> who is it? He is, um, uh, uh, okay. Um, well, while you're looking that up, okay, I'll just tell this quick okay. story where the director would come to my room and I'd be leaning against the table like that. I was all, you know, good to go. I was nice and trim. And he would give me some notes and he'd say, well, let's have it, baby. And I'd say, <laughs> what? He'd say, pull out your cock. <laughs> Show me your cock, he'd say. And I go, I was like, I was like, I was like Gomer Pyle. I was like, I beg your pardon? Show me the, what you my what? Oh my Who's God. Manny Paclodidus? All I got was Manny Eisenberg when I started okay. uh, Googling. I will, I will text you when I figure out who it is. That's terrible. Now I have to look up who that is. It's going to be somebody British because that reminds me, and then we'll end with this. Uh, uh, and I love you, and I miss you, and I hope I see you when you come out here. Uh, um, Leslie Jordan was doing a, a play, a, a show. He was doing Evening Shade with Billy Bob Thornton who um, allegedly has a notoriously large penis. Right. And during rehearsal, Leslie had said to um, uh, Billy Bob, can I see it, Billy Bob? And Billy Bob said, no, Leslie, get away from me. And he said, please. <laughs> so cut two years later, <laughs> Billy Bob and Leslie Jordan are on the, golden, uh, on the carpet at Golden Globes. And Billy Bob's a huge star now because of Sling Blade. And he makes eye contact with Leslie Jordan. And Leslie Jordan just made eye contact with him and said, Please. <laughs> oh, I, when I see Billy Bob, I never see him, but I'm going to do that. I'm gonna, Please. Please. <laughs> All right. People can find you on Instagram and they can find your podcast everywhere. iHeart. iHeart. Yeah. iTunes. Everywhere you get podcasts, but it's produced by iHeart. iHeart. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Alec Baldwin produced by iHeart. Here's the thing. And we're not going to be coming out in a TV series, but we're going to we're going to do something. We've got to figure this out. What's a yeah. play we can do? I don't know. Let's do the odd couple. Let's do the odd couple. <laughs> let's, let's do, do with, a, with let's, an Asian. Let's do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I've already wanted to play Martha. <laughs> <laughs> what could we do a gender reverse production of? There you can. I will come you know, up when it. I was in when I was in acting school, we did a gender reverse. It never made it to the stage. It was canceled. Because mm. the lead actress had serious health issues. I think she tried uh, to kill herself. Jesus. But you know, she was a very troubled young woman. And you'll understand why. We were going to do a gender reversal of Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> and I was going to play Nurse Ratchet as a man. <laughs> I was. Medication time. Medication time. Nurse Baldwin. Nurse Baldwin. Yes. Um, so, so did that 
did that director ever see your penis? No, <laughs> um, no, no. no. Right. If, it, if it was a movie and I was paying millions of dollars, I was paid millions of dollars. That was where it was Broadway. Okay. It was Broadway South. Okay, here's the here's the hot message setup. If 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 you had a dear friend of yours who was enduring a cancellation similar to anything you've endured, what would your remember that that's be? what they're saying about you is not who you are. Who you are on your worst day is not who you are. Most people you meet are decent, caring. They're filled with love. They want peace. They want to make a living, pay their taxes. They want to get it right, whatever your definition of right is. They don't want to hurt other people. They don't want to hurt other people. And if you, um, uh, and if you get canceled and people attack you for something that you did, when what's worse than being attacked for something you didn't do? And being misunderstood, that's the most painful thing of all. But if you are, you have to tell yourself over and over again, the, the things they're saying about me, that's not who I am. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Mm. You know? mm. Soothing. The soothing, dulcet Thank tones. You. Thank you. Of <laughs> Alex. Who you are. Yeah. Yeah. The ASMR. All right. I love you to bits. I love you so much. I'll see you I soon. Love okay. You. It was so nice to meet you, Matthew. So it was nice so to nice to meet you. Thank you, Alec. Wow, I think you did quite well. Matthew. <laughs> if I can make you, if I can get a half a laugh out of you on that. Yeah, no, you, you we, I think you, you did a very good job at kind okay. of holding it together. Yeah, I think it's, you know, you'll have, when you cut it together, it's how long? Oh, 45 minutes. We're oh. still doing it right now. So let's, oh, right. let's, let's do, do our. Want to do, are you going to do your sign out? Yeah. You yes. want me to stay on? And what yes. do you want me to do when I come back on? I, you know what? Just uh, hold on for a second. They're going to see if you have okay. to do any pickups. Whatever, whatever you need. Yeah. Personally, I think this should be a part of the program. I think that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love I it. it be Behind great. the scenes. Um, yes. <laughs> Matthew Dempsey, I'm very proud of you. Yes. You did really, really good. You kind of got Thank some you. good points across. Oh, and... God. I really tried to hold it together as best I could. <laughs> yeah. No, you're fantastic. You're great. Yeah. Where can, what's, your, you. what's your hot message of the day? Uh, I guess my hot message, I'm going to um, take a page from Big Al's mm -hmm. uh, experience in life, which is to, uh, you know, if you're getting canceled, give yourself time to go into a hole <laughs> for however long you need, right. but make sure that you come back out because you're only going to get canceled if you decide and think that you should be. So keep moving forward and doing what you need to do. Well, yeah, my thought message on top of that is, is, is canceling hurts when you take it personally. Yes. You have to kind of remind yourself that that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the person doing the canceling. Exactly. If you can get to the point after being in a hole for a while, to that understanding, you're going to be okay. Where can we find you yeah. on your socials, big boy? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Psych and Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. You can find me at Instagram, Twitter, and uh, uh, Facebook at Alec Mappa. You can find us both at the Stage 29 Podcast on Twitter. Um, uh, send us messages, send us fan mail, send us, uh, you know, questions. We want to hear from you. And uh, what else? Oh, download and subscribe. Oh. Don't forget to download and subscribe. If you've enjoyed our fine program and the celebrities briefing on week after week, download and subscribe. Tell your friends and we'll see you next week for more Hot Mess Fun. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.